It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number six, uh, six, no, we're well past that, 964 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, June the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, please make sure to support the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, rate, review, all the good stuff. And also, you can do that for the other shows on the Locked On Network that are covering the teams that you like, whether it's the NBA playoff coverage that you love, whether it is uh, hockey coverage for the team that are continuing on in the playoffs. You got Locked On Golden Knights, Locked On Canadiens, Locked On Lightning, Locked On Islanders, covering the Final Four in the NHL. Uh, find a show covering a team that you want to hear about and that you are interested in or care about or support, whatever it might be, and uh, support it. It's very, very much appreciated. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment of the Week coming up later on in the episode. All right, on today's show, we are mercifully wrapping up the season from hell in review. It's been a three-week odyssey digging into the season that just happened, the season that uh, really crushed a lot of spirits, the Raptors and my own included. Uh, And I'm glad that we've kind of come to the conclusion of looking back, and now we can kind of look forward. We'll take it to draft stuff next week and get into it, but definitely was worth taking the time to look back at what happened this year and where it all went wrong. And to wrap up the series, after finishing off all the players yesterday, we are going to take a look today at the Raptors coaching staff and front office and how they operated this season. How much blame do they share for how things went? Where did things go well? Where did things go right? And joining me to talk about all of that is one of our faves. It's Katie Heindel. Katie, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, 
as I told you earlier, and I'll repeat for everyone, they're filling up the pool at the end of my street. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I stood watching them do it with a coffee this morning, like a real creep. But uh, <laughs> it was like a hopeful, it was a very hopeful signal for me. That's very exciting. Uh, I, I I know today is like reopening day, technically, for a lot of things. Obviously, it's not mm-hmm. full and the pandemic is not over. Uh, <laughs> we should probably uh, quit referring to it in the past tense because it is still very much happening. But uh, it's a little bit of bright optimism today. You got pools opening up. You've got patio reservation lines, you know, 15 hours long. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> come out of lockdown to stand in a line to sit on a patio, baby. That's what it's all about. We missed that moment. First of all, people really miss lining up, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, oh, the ice cream place must line up for three hours for that ice cream, baby, instead of just going to the Dairy Queen. Um, Yeah, I... uh that's the nice thing about living in Hamilton, Katie, is there aren't that many lines for things. You know, it's getting a little bit worse as population density continues to increase, but it still is, you know, I want a thing, I'm going to go get the thing, and I don't have to worry about lining up for the thing, which was a Mm -hmm. far cry from my life when I lived in Toronto, for sure. Uh, Katie, we got a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, We're going to talk about the coaching staff. We're going to talk about the front office and how they perform. We'll talk about coaching staff, I think, probably the first two segments, and then we'll wrap up with Masai, Bobby, and the crew afterwards in the final part of the show but uh yeah let's get into nick nurse and the coaching staff of the raptors this season and their sort of role in the way things all unfolded katie what was your biggest takeaway just sort of thinking about the way nick nurse coached this year obviously this entire segment is going to be couched with the whole sort of caveat that we don't know everything going on behind the scenes it's very hard to evaluate coaching we're just kind of observing what we can from the outside and maybe we'll be wrong in our estimations of what what happened but we do the best we can here katie big takeaways from the coaching staff nick nurse in particular and the way he did his job this season yeah i wasn't super thrilled with the way that he did his job at the beginning of the season. If I'm being honest, we saw a lot of those familiar, like calling guys out um, in post games, you know, and pre-game, pre-game availabilities, uh, which did work has like worked in the past, but really didn't seem to be achieving kind of what he wanted it to do this, this season, probably for numerous reasons. And that like morale, I'm sure super low people were like, you know, there was a really untenable housing situation in Tampa that it didn't know where they were living. So I think like you can't, something about that just probably bugged me because of the timing more than anything. Uh, and because I also think like, if it's not working, you should just like, you shouldn't keep doing it. You know, like there's, there's coaching mm-hmm. tricks, I think that work on and off the floor. Uh, and when, when they kind of run out or the players quit hearing them, you should shift gears a little bit. And I think he did. I mean, like on the floor, I don't, it's like tough. You can kind of break the season maybe into three parts, like bad, very bad. (laughs) And like, what would you say? Maybe more like kind of like good mood apathy at the end of the season. Yeah. When everyone started to have fun again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're like less stressed uh, about where they were going to end up in the standings and we're just kind of playing for themselves which was more fun to watch. Uh, and I think it was a better time for him. But yeah, as you said, like we can't know what happened and we can't, you know, we can't put ourselves in their shoes in terms of what they were going through. Um, what, what can I say? I guess like personnel wise, I am kind of curious where he thought he was going to slot in Baines and Len initially, because right. maybe he had some input on those decisions, but you know, the ultimate decision doesn't fall on nurse. 
So when he kind of got the news that he's, he's getting those guys in that Mark and Serge were gone. If he just thought that could be sort of a seamless <laughs> transition, which it wasn't. So that I'm curious about. I don't think we'll ever hear anything about that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think the start of the season, it was a little bit rough, you know, the sort of calling out of dudes who, you know, hadn't quite got accustomed to the defense or whatever, much like the year before when, you know, the year before they're coming off a championship, the team is still like the championship team is still largely intact minus Kawhi and Danny Green. Like, I think there's a little bit more sort of insulation to sort of call guys out like that. And, you know, a little bit more of like a, hey, this is the standard and like live up to it. (laughs) Like we're a championship team. This year, obviously the championship's still not far behind. A lot of that DNA is still left on the team. But when you factor in the incredibly short turnaround time, the three-game preseason, the um, you know the month between these guys signing and then playing their first games with the team, I think that was maybe a little bit sort of off the proper and sort of ideal tone for Nurse to be calling dudes out. And in particular, I think the thing where he kind of owned himself and sort of went against his own strengths. You know, he really just kind of change things up willy-nilly in terms of the back part of the rotation at the fart of the, at the fart of the season what uh, <laughs> at the start of the season and you know it was just like okay you're Benbury's trying out we're trying out Benbury now and then Matt Thomas we're trying out and then Stanley Johnson it was just so all over the place and there was no consistency and the thing that I think is really impressive about Nick Nurse is that if you give him the same collection of players for three, four, five games in a row, he's usually going to figure out how to use them properly and how to best put them in the position to succeed. And he just didn't allow himself that time at all at the start of the year. It was just so all over the place and erratic, and there wasn't really much rhyme or reason to it. And DeAndre Bembry plays for a bit and then doesn't play for three weeks. And it's just like, dude, you're really good when you give yourself runway and when you sort of give yourself time and sample size to observe what you have and then adjust accordingly. And he didn't really do that. And so, yeah, I was disappointed with the way he started things out. That said, I think overall, you have to give him some credit for the way he managed this season, you know, considering all the circumstances. And ultimately, I think he did a pretty good job. And like I'm saying, you know, anytime the Raptors had the same collection of players together for, you know, an extended period of time, more than two or three games, they would kind of get into a groove and they'd figure things out. You know, you have like the 15 and seven run where they basically were at full health. They'd figured out the rotation and then it was just like, okay, this is what works and we're going to go with it. Even at the end of the year, there were a couple stretches there where, you know, they didn't have any of their players available. But in a lot of cases, as time went on, the guys he did have on hand started to gel and coalesce. And I think that's just kind of a nurse thing, right? Like he's able to assess what he has and adjust on the fly and kind of find success with anything. And that's like a really nice thing to have in a coach. Like that's a wonderful quality. I just think at the start of the year. He kind of worked against himself by not committing to a specific, you know, lineup construction and a specific rotation. And it was just way too erratic for what was already a very erratic and confusing start of the season for everybody. Um, do you have any thoughts on that before we uh, continue on here? I think the only other thing on that on that note is that, you know, for as you said, for a coach who has been so fluid and willing to experiment uh, and try things out, it it was weird to see him try less things out or to mm-hmm. decide right away. Like he just kind of, you know, he always has his favorites <laughs> as much as sometimes they can be frustrating and, and you don't necessarily get it or it doesn't make sense rotationally, mm-hmm. but he seemed really just 
more dead set on the players that he picked and less willing to give uh, guys more opportunities to figure things out for themselves. I mean, in the end, I think it worked out. Like I know Utah didn't really see a lot of the rotation to start the season, but you know, now he's got a contract. So that's fantastic. Same with like, well, with Bemery, I think he just ended up getting more minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and then with everyone else, like new coming in at the trade deadline, um, I was pretty happy because by then it seemed like he was more willing to just like, maybe it's because they were looking at less of the season and they sort of yeah. had a good sense of where they stood, which was probably not, in the playoffs um so then you might be willing to be a little bit more flex and fluid because you're also Mm -hmm. then trying to evaluate uh who you want to keep around yeah for sure uh we're gonna continue on i want to dive into the defense in particular and nick nurse's uh staunch commitment to playing like maniacs on that end of the floor regardless of the personnel uh we'll get into that in, in a little bit more in just one second here but first it's time for the michelob ultra moment of the week and katie we've been kind of going back in time for these because obviously the raptors aren't making any moments of their own right now and so i'm going to go back in time to it's not really a single moment it's just a collection of moments and that is any time during the championship run that or i guess the 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 title defense season as well where Nick Nurse made himself a meme. Uh, we really love Nick Nurse's facial expressions on the sideline. We love his crouching. We love his astonishment at bad calls. We love the agape mouth. Uh, it's uh, it's always fun to look over and see the very eccentric Nick Nurse going wild on the sidelines in response to something he disagrees with on the floor. Can he get a little bit overbearing at times? Maybe, but we also love him for how over-the-top and exciting he is to watch as a coach on the sidelines. And so all of his memeable moments are your Michelob Ultra moment of the week. You know, (laughs) I don't think in these moments Nick Nurse is necessarily feeling joy or happiness, but he certainly is bringing it out of the fan base and uh, creating moments that last forever in meme form to this day. Go check out tons of other exciting Ultra Moments with the hashtag Ultra Moment. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment is not the end game, though. It is the whole game. Thank you to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast, and uh, go and support the go go get summer. It's patio season, baby. Go order a Michelob Ultra on the patio. You will not regret it. Uh, and uh, that's our Michelob Ultra moment of the week for this week. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Katie, we're going to continue on here. But just a reminder that Michelob Ultra is also the sponsor of our NBA playoff coverage. The Road to the Finals is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Go listen to Locked On Suns, Locked On Jazz, Locked On... Who are the other teams that are winning? Locked on Nets. They're up 2-1. You can listen to Locked on Bucks if you want, as they uh, barely won a very ugly Game 3. All of it is brought to you by Michelob Ultra on the road to the finals. All right, Katie. So uh, let's get it into Nick Nurse's schemes, shall we? His his, his vaunted schemes, uh, in particular defense. And you know, we've talked a lot about the defense on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Vivek had Brad on, and, we, and they talked about um, sort of Nick Nurse's approach to defense. 
Obviously, the personnel this season wasn't what it was during the previous two years where the Raptors were basically the standard bearer for all NBA defense. They were not the number one defense necessarily, but the way they were playing was kind of revolutionary and was a copycat. Lots of teams tried to do what they were doing, but could not really match it because they didn't have the insane defensive personnel and the genius Marcus Saul kind of directing things from the back. Uh, and obviously this year, the Raptors too did not have enough of the great personnel, no Marcus Saul directing things from the back, from the back, yada, yada, yada. And yet it still seemed as though Nick Nurse's base instinct was to play the maniac defense, the scramble around, send two to the ball, recover, rotate, you know, kind of on a string and hope that someone's there to meet any sort of uh, stragglers, any sort of leakers through at the rim. And it didn't work. Either Raptors were middling defense this year, number 15, I think. We saw stretches where they looked fantastic, and we also saw stretches where they looked horrible. Katie, sort of looking at the way Nurse approached the defense this season and sort of thinking about his evolution as a coach going forward, you know, do you sort of buy into the idea that sticking to the scheme is kind of the way to go here? Do you think maybe the scheme is too complex for new new faces to kind of pick it up right away? How did you feel about the way the Raptors defended this season using Nick Nurse's uh, Vonta? Again, I call it the maniac defense. It's not, I don't think, the actual nomenclature, but uh, bear with me here and, and humor me. Uh, what did you think of the way Nick Nurse approached defense this year? Well, it was horrible to start. I think they were dead, <laughs> dead last, you know, and like, Defense overall, and then every defensive category you can think of, even in advance, like <laughs> defense. I remember just like looking at that and comparing and being like, this seems very bizarre because Kyle Lowry had that comment at the beginning of the season that they were going to focus on being, I think he said, quote, defensive, a defensive juggernaut. Uh, yeah. And I think th at that time it probably felt safe because those are the basics. Like when a team talks about going back to the basics for the Raptors, it's always been defense uh, and just like a strong commitment to it, a strong understanding of it. And I have to be honest, like maybe I do sound like a broken record about this, but this was probably a challenge for nurse. And I think it, I, I hope like a challenge he learned from and can walk away with, um, knowing when it doesn't really pay to be as pushy with, with your basics, because I think there was so much reliance on, as you said, what defensive personalities that were absent kind of gave to the team. And so much of the defense ran through those guys that when they were gone, there's still the institutional knowledge of what it should look like, but you can't teach feel, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I think that became very clear with Baines and his inability to adapt to the schemes, even like most basic schemes that the teams were running or what they were asking for from him. Um, so I think he adapted, but I actually think for this point in his career, this is like just a silver lining thing. Obviously this season sucked to get through, but I think for this point in his career, it might've been a good and necessary shakeup because you wouldn't want to be in that situation, you know, say in another like, playoff like in the playoffs again when you get back sure. to that point like to to look at what's happening you know again to the bucks look at what is happening to like coaches like bud being so inflexible because something worked once so it was weird to see nurse not adjust right away because as we said earlier he's a coach that's always done that uh so i think it was probably beneficial in a warped way that this happened <laughs> and maybe like, you know, that show, like you can't keep trying to fit the, the like um, square peg in the round hole in that sense. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I would hope that the way the defense played out this season would inspire a little bit more sort of flexibility and creativity from him next season. 
That said, I also think there's a very good chance that their defensive personnel is just going to be better. And it was by the end of the season, actually. You know, they I think their defense kind of had some moments down the stretch. Obviously, it's hard to pull anything from the last month of the year just because they didn't have their dudes a lot of the time. But when they did have the full complement of players, you know, Ken Birch can actually play that defense. He's fast. He's mobile. He can switch out. He can, you know, range out to the perimeter. He can get back to the rim and be that last line of defense. We saw Freddie Gillespie be a pretty solid rim protector as well um, without ever jumping ever, <laughs> which is very impressive and, you know, brings back shades of Marc Gasol, even though obviously he's not Marc Gasol on defense. It was just nice to see that. And, you know, even the guys who they sort of started playing down the stretch of the season, you know, Yuta Watanabe, for example, he's a really good defender. He can fit into that scheme. And once you start cycling out the Baineses, the uh, the Lens, the Terrence Davises, who were just a fucking nightmare. Sorry for the language, but man, like Terrence Davis was awful. And God, I'm glad that dude's not on the team anymore for so, so many reasons. But, you know, it, it was... Like by the end of the year, the roster I think began to more resemble what Nick Nurse is looking for. That said, I, I think flexibility is going to be important. I don't. I think they sort of went away this season from you know going to zone so often. They still were mm-hmm. you know among the leaders in zone in the league. I think they were top ten. But you know the previous year they were it was like them and the Heat and then everybody else. And you know people make fun of zones and call them gimmicky and all that, but they work. And the Raptors have made them work because they're creative with them in the way that, ways they deploy them. And Maybe just the personnel, the lack of the the center position made that difficult to, ten, you know, it wasn't very tenable this season. But I, I think there's, um, you know, the, the, there's, the, there's some lot of, a lot of learning experiences this year, I think, for Nick Nurse. And I would hope that he'll apply them next season. And I hope we see a bit more of a sort of, uh, you know, standard base defense that they can go to when they want to. I wonder if maybe the move going forward. And again, this is me talking as a noted non-basketball coach and not knowing how these things actually work on the ground. But I wonder if maybe the move is you start the season a little bit more simple. You know, you have like a base defense that everyone can kind of get on board with. And then you integrate stuff over the course of the year. You kind of build your defense up. And by year's end, maybe you have that sort of institutional knowledge and you have the personnel and you have the experience of playing all these different kinds of ways. And then you become you know, by the end of the year, you're sort of peak defensive selves. That's kind of my dream for it. But um, yeah, I, I think it was a, a, an interesting year for Nick Nurse at coaching wise. And I think, you know, I think he's still a very good coach. I think there's still, I'm very happy that he's coaching the team I like. I think he's really, really smart. And I hope you learn from the stuff that didn't go so hot. Uh, last one quickly on the coaching staff. So this was kind of played up as like a thing. I don't really think it was when Chris Finch got hired away. It was just before the COVID hit the team. Like, they were going through that stretch. I think they did just played the two games against the Bucks and won both. Uh, then I played, they played that Minnesota game, and then Finch was hired away. And then they played that Sixers game, or the two Sixers games. And then, uh, like, that very week, Pascal gets COVID, and then we know what happens from there. There was this sort of uh, idea that not having Chris Finch was responsible for the offense kind of tapering off, which it did. It at one point was like the seventh best offense in the league and then tapered back down more towards league average as the year went on. I think it's probably more to do with, you know, the lack of all the good players on the floor. But did you see anything watching the offense as the season went along that made you think, man, I wish Chris Finch was still here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that like there was probably some residual impacts from like a long time personnel leaving like that. I don't know. Or like, no, I would still say no, because I think at that point we saw that the way that the team wasn't really playing well on any front. So I doubt that it had much to do with his leaving. 
Um, I did want to quickly go back to when we were talking about uh, defense and just sure. because I think we didn't touch on this enough, but the lack of like a real training camp this year. Yeah. Uh, I think was probably to blame for just like, you know, everyone had to kind of ex- like, especially given the late absent, like the late departures of surgeon Mark and then not really having that time for training camp, trying to slot those, the new guys in and get them caught up and like in an accelerated camp of like a week and a half. Also, when you consider that the team only moved down, like maybe a week before that, <laughs> there just really wasn't a lot of time. So I think like, well, I know Nick like is busy now with the Canadian team. Once they do come back around, we are like, obviously we do hope that they come back to Toronto and they're kind of going through the, the more familiar motions of getting themselves prepared for the upcoming season. Plus you've got the new guys like slotted into that now with like plenty of time. I do feel like that's going to make up for some of what was lost last season. Yeah. I, I, I think the, it's not just the, the lack of a, like a preseason. It's also, you know, for the younger guys like Malachi Flynn, there was no summer league. There was no lead at lead time at all. And you know, it's tough for a rookie on defense as it is throw him into a season where there's no prep time and he was drafted a month ago and it's going to be even more difficult. So yeah, I think, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to a full training camp for everybody next season. I think that will be extremely valuable to all. Uh, we're going to continue on, and we're going to take a quick uh, sort of deviation from the coaching stuff. And we're going to dive into the front office and the way they perform this season. We'll get into that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You've got the NBA playoffs going strong, the NHL playoffs going as well, UFC, MMA. Also, the Euros in soccer start up on Friday. I'm not sure if you can bet on over there at BetOnline.ag, but you can certainly check, uh, and that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, of course, uh, Katie's beloved Team Austria, a bit of a sleeper going into the tournament so maybe throw some money down on them in honor of dear katie heindel before the next pitch or kick or tip off or face off whatever it is to commence the game that it is you're watching go to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest info don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on that means if you put in 100 bucks you're gonna get 150 bucks to play with off the top that is a great deal go to bet online your online sports book experts today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at built bar who are making lovely tasting protein bars that are helping you get through the day with the energy you need look i am a person who uh you know i, I kind of oscillate in my exercise regimen sometimes i do nothing sometimes i go full bore and when i'm going full bore which i am right now and i'm like in the best shape i've been in like five years it's very nice Built Bar has been a help because when I'm going for a workout or whatever it might be, I know I can have a Built Bar before I go, and it's going to give me the protein I need to build some muscle and get through it energy-wise, and it also is not like an unhealthy, disgusting snack that I'm shoving into my face and ruining all of my progress. It is really, really great. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. They've got 9 staple flavors. They've got limited time flavors. You can order yourself a mixed box where you get 2 of each of the 9 flavors, uh, and keep an eye on the, keep an eye on the website for those limited time flavors that pop up from time to time as well go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your next order use the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com all right katie let's wrap this up by talking about the front office uh again another one of these sort of things that's very difficult to pin down and understand we don't know all that goes on behind the scenes we can say they should have made trade x trade z whatever and maybe that trade just was not on the table 
Overall, Katie, if you're sort of giving a grade to how Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster, Teresa Rash, Dan Tolzman, the front office, approached this season and executed it from the front office perspective, what do you give them? Like, let's just give like a letter grade. It's uh, it's June. It's it's report card time. What are we giving for the Raptors front office for their performance this season? You know, I'm probably going to give them a C. <laughs> um, and I think my answer is less about trades. I think they straightened themselves up toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they made they made a lot of sense of what could have been a weirder <laughs> trade deadline. Um, I'm glad they stuck with Lowry. Uh, I'm glad that they seem more forthright with why and the reasonings why mm-hmm. uh, and their own motivations. And just generally like the respect that they have for him. The fact that Masai said he was hugely biased uh, about Lowry and his value as a player, because I am too. But the beginning of the season really left a pretty poor taste in my mouth for the team mm-hmm. uh i have to say like the one the rushed approach to getting to tampa how i know we like we weren't in those rooms but like being in calls with them and kind of listening to the logic and up until kind of 11th hour they were still hoping to play in toronto and of course that was the hope everyone wanted that but i think they're they probably it seemed like there was a real lack of preparation moving the team right away mm-hmm. to Tampa. That's obviously a, also like with the caveat that that's a huge undertaking, even if you did have lead out time, but to give yourself no lead out time, I thought was a little bit questionable. The Terrence Davis situation and how they, I won't even say deal with it because they did not deal with it. Not at all. Um, when Masai said that, I was further disappointed that when he he did address it, when Blake asked him in, a, in, a, in one of his availabilities about it, his logic was that, Masai, like Masai said, he had asked women in the organization what they felt they should do, which is wild to me because one, <laughs> it's not their responsibility to tell you Two, you pay them. So even if you have like a very like, you know, we're family, everybody, this is an open organization still like you pay them. These are your employees. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty strange for me and kind of a U-turn, I guess, from what we've seen them, how we've seen them handle, um, not just social justice in the past, but actually, no, I take that back. They never handled assault allegations particularly well or at all of mm-hmm. their players. Uh, but just to have Davis continue to have him get real meaningful minutes. And then when his own performance started to, to taper, uh, to still push for it. And the fact that he was never made available for media during that whole time was as yeah. dubious to me as well. So that was a real departure, you know, from the, from the front office. I had thought that we had and the way that they connected themselves um, towards again, like towards the middle of the season, they did, yeah, they did get, they did send Davis away. But again, it's just felt one of those kind of like quiet, like we'll just quietly trade him away and not have to reconcile uh, our actions and or his actions and how we handled those things. So, and they also you know, got that's... something good out of it, which is not good. Like they should have gotten nothing good out of Terrence well, Davis. It should have, yeah, like, yeah sure. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Like abstractly, in a world where, like, I don't know, <laughs> there's such thing as kind of come up and, and, and like justice for those things. But I guess if in like a cold business approach, that's what they would want it out of it. But the, the point being, I just, I don't know, like, you know, I was, I felt quite distanced from the team for yeah. a good chunk of the season. And that was why, because it, it was just like, I know you never, like they're, they've always been a business. So I know you never really know, you shouldn't like align yourself too closely with the business. You don't really know what's going on, but still you do come to expect as a fan and as excuse me, someone who covers the team, a certain way 
like a certain standard. And I think they fell well below that standard this season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, I, I, my, I don't have any really that many issues with the player personnel side of things. I think the Gary Trent trade made sense, you know, considering where they were at with the deadline and everything. I would have been fine keeping Norm, but I also totally understand why they made that move and they got themselves a, an interesting youngest player on the roster out of it. I think that was a good call. I've said on this podcast a lot of times, I think their thinking was in a lot of ways right when it came to how they were going to fill in the center position. They just got the wrong guy. And I don't think anybody expected that Aaron Baines was going to look like the shell of himself that he did after looking quite good the season prior. And so that looked a lot worse in hindsight than it was at the time when I think as plan B's go, that was not a bad one. And I think Ken Birch kind of coming in and proving that, you know, the center position is something that is a bit of a mercenary spot that can be filled in by, I don't want to say just anybody, because obviously not just anybody can do it, but you don't need to have one of the five best centers alive in order to have good center play. And I think Ken Birch kind of proved that their thinking was right. But yeah, it's all the other stuff that really sort of soured me on the front office experience this season from the Terrence Davis stuff you mentioned, from the lack of preparation for Orlando, and just sort of like the, I guess not Orlando, Tampa, for the... Mm -hmm. You know, the sort of unrealistic, kind of naive clinging on to hope that they'd be playing at home. It just like read the room a little bit. And, you know, Masai talked about this in his postseason press conference. And I think, you know, I have no problem placing blame there because he took the blame and said, yeah, we, we screwed up there. We should have done better and had been more prepared and probably not had that sort of pipe dream of playing in Toronto when the entire world was suggesting this ain't happening, dude. And so... That's where I, I think certainly you can have some quibbles for sure. Ultimately, I think they they finished on a pretty strong note overall. I think they've kind of set themselves up personnel and team-wise decently well going into the future here. And I agree that they approached the Lowry thing correctly. You know, <laughs> we're seeing, I think, that all the teams that didn't trade for Kyle Lowry probably should have ponied up and paid the price that the Raptors were asking. I think the Raptors were absolutely right to ask that price. And, you know, if it means he leaves for nothing at the end of the year— we have to stop saying that it's leaving for nothing because uh, he just played eight seasons of unbelievable basketball for the franchise and completely turned the franchise on its head and won a title. There's And, you know, even in the back part of the year where he played like nine games, every single game, the B-roll is him talking to Malachi Flynn and teaching him how to be a point guard and being an incredible teammate, getting happy for the guys. There's value to that. And I thought the Raptors approached that excellently. And, you know, th so that that's... The, the personal stuff, not a problem. The other stuff, absolutely, um, between Davis and the preparation. There is one note I want to make, though, that I think kind of gets slept on a little bit. Uh, and I made this point talking to our online friend Chris Myers yesterday. I think what's been slept on a little bit in terms of front office stuff this year is the John Wiggins hire as the director of diversity and inclusion for the franchise. I think John Wiggins is the most important person in the Raptors organization right now. And a lot of the stuff that... You see the Raptors doing, um, you know, the all-women broadcast, the the pride initiatives they've been doing. John Wiggins is behind a lot of that. And I think we're only going to see going forward here more in that sort of vein. You know, I think we're going to see the broadcast face change a little bit. I think we're going to see a lot of different things in the, in the franchise that can be tied back to Wiggins and this position they created for him uh, last year. And that's just, you know, that's part of the front office. He is in the front office. He's on the executive team. And I think that's worth noting because John Wiggins, um, his imprint is already there and he's only been on the job for a year or even less than that. And I really, really think that we're going to see his sort of influence 
from that position continue to grow like i'm not sure if you've had any interactions with john wiggins katie but um you know and and maybe you can sort of point to other people who are quote-unquote more important i just think the things that john wiggins are doing is doing are you know they are extremely important well beyond basketball and i think that's worth sort of factoring into this conversation here uh no i i've not interacted with him because uh just like not being close like physically close to the team this season because they were away sure um but sure yeah credit him for some of those changes the whole thing about changes though is you have to keep you got to keep doing them Um, i guess i'm still i'm always wary of things like that like uh, in terms of optics wise so i hope those changes are going to be more institutional Mm -hmm. uh, and deep rooted because you know the women's broadcast to me was fantastic but to me what actually would signal change was if they just did them and stopped it like if they didn't announce them you know like if it's like yeah you know if you watch on tsn or sports center or whatever you know that the broadcast team you're going to get something similar to that where it wasn't like a big deal because the longer you keep making them big deals the longer it's not something that's ingrained and expected you know what i mean totally yeah and i like to that point i do not think that's something that they're just going to do once and not come back to and and i don't think it's going to be like a, a special event <laughs> like going for i think it's going to be at least i'm hopeful that it will be a regular sort of occurrence and that they can um you know kind of change the game a little bit when it comes to broadcasts like why we have to have the set same crew for every game of 82 it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me and you know just I, i've heard john wiggins speak about these things just in passing kind of off the record and whatnot and i think it's something he takes extremely seriously not just the broadcast but everything around the team and, and i you know it's it's just one year and obviously yes it has to continue it has to keep on you know the changes have to continue and there has to be evolution and all that but i would say that based on sort of anecdotal experiences i would say i i think john wiggins is the kind of person who's not going to let that stuff be a one-off and i guess we can reevaluate wait a year from now and, and see if that was right but um just wanted to take a sec to shadow john wiggins who is very very important um anyway that i think is going to bring us to the end of today's podcast katie i uh, appreciate you very much taking the time uh, do you have anything you want to promote for the people out there uh let's see i um, am continuing the basketball feelings exit series on teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs so i wrote about the mavericks yesterday uh, so you can read that on the basketball feelings Substack if you like excellent um you can also listen to our podcast uh basketball mm-hmm. we had an episode yesterday that was a lot of fun we did a fun pat riley themed segment uh and inspirational quote stuff that was fun uh you can of course uh listen to uh previous episodes of this podcast we've done the entire season from hell in review go listen back to the whole thing and relive the season from hell baby it's uh it's quite an experience. Binge it all on a road trip. I don't know. Um, but yeah, do that. I'm going to have a piece up on Raptors HQ on Friday about Pascal Siakam and his very misunderstood season. Uh, that's a fun one. And you can look forward to that around noon Eastern time on, on Friday. And Today? Uh, what's that? Today's Friday. Yeah, today is Friday. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it, I think, yeah. I, I don't mm-hmm. have no idea what day it is ever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's that. And, of course, we have our Draft Lottery Watch Party, June 22nd. Get your submissions, your receipts for the donations to the International, uh, sorry, Indian Residential School Survivor Society and the Islamic Relief Palestine Emergency Fund. If you get in your receipts to me in a DM, you'll be added to the list. You will get the invite to the watch party on the 22nd. It's going to be a blast. We've got a lot of people in there. We've got over 800 bucks raised already, and hopefully we can continue to push that past 1000 and beyond. So thank you in advance, and I look forward to seeing your beautiful faces on the Zoom call on June the 22nd second that will do it for today's episode we'll talk to you again on monday katie's going to be back on monday with vivek 
as we are going to do a fantasy draft of playoff Raptor games between 2014 and 2020. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be heated. There are so many games to choose from. There are going to be snubs. There is going to be controversy, I'm sure. Probably me being a tyrant as the commissioner of the game we're playing on the podcast, as I want to do, is going to be a blast. And uh, that'll be Monday and Tuesday, probably next week as a two-parter before we dig into some draft stuff. Raphael Barlow from Locked on NBA Draft is going to pop on next Friday. We're going to tee up the, the top prospects in the lottery range where the Raptors hope to land and a whole bunch more. So uh, you have a lot to look forward to and more next week. Until then, have a good one. Enjoy a partial reopening weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.